Coming up on this week's edition of Please Bear With Me, Terrence Ganaway, Barry Trammell, and more. Please Bear With Me starts right now. Yep, just ready for OU. Welcome into this week's edition of Please Bear With Me. My name is Scotty Swingler. Thanks so much for joining us on your go-to podcast for all things Baylor football. We are celebrating Baylor's bounce-back victory against Kansas, and we are looking ahead to Baylor's matchup with the Oklahoma Sooners, who surprisingly this Saturday were taken to overtime by Army. And so Baylor's matchup with Oklahoma is suddenly a little bit more interesting. So we're going to react to the game against Kansas. We're going to look ahead to Oklahoma. We're going to start with this guy, Terrence Ganaway. You know him because he is an all-time great. He is arguably Baylor's best running back of all time. He still holds the single-season rushing record for a Baylor Bear, which is a record that I think will stand for a very long time. He's not only an all-time Baylor legendary football player, but he also covers the Baylor Bears for a variety of outlets, including his new role as a contributor for 247 Sports Bears Illustrated. And so Terrence Ganaway joins me now to discuss Baylor and Kansas and to look ahead to the Oklahoma game. Terrence, let's dive right into it, my friend. How did you feel about what we saw on Saturday? Yeah, um, you know, I thought the game was, I think the game was exactly what I wanted to see, uh, at least from a first half perspective. I, I thought Baylor had to come out with energy. Rule says something, uh, when we were doing our, our pregame interview with him. He was talking about confidence and the guys lacking confidence. The best person to incite confidence in a team is the head coach of a, a, a university, head coach of a football program. And when you think of that, um, you're dealing with 18, 19, 20-year-olds, uh, much like high school coaches have to deal with the dilemma of, you know, all the, the minutia that goes on with, you know, the day in the life of a high school athlete and stuff like that. I just think yesterday we came out a little bit more confident. And maybe to Rule's point, he was able to, really affect the confidence level of our team yesterday. I want to start narrowing in by asking you about the running back position. You are one of the best, if not the best, running backs that's ever played at Baylor. When you see a team having so much trouble running the ball, is Baylor's biggest problem in that regard just the offensive line and the inconsistency and the eight or nine bodies that rotate in on the offensive line? Is it the tailbacks? How do you fix a running game that is clearly in need of shaping up before we get any further into Big 12 play? I mean, you just got to, you know, block man on man. I think there's a lot of times where our guys are uh, engaged and, and they're not actively driving. There's a lot of missteps. So with offensive linemen, I think that we, our offensive linemen at Baylor, um, they're talented, but it, I, I don't know if it's, it's one of those coaching things or 
they just not ready to play at the big level. But you see a lot of false steps. You see a lot of miss, uh, miss keys and miss cues that lead to, uh, tackles in the backfield. Interior, the interior lineman, guard, center guard, probably is the weakest on our team. It seemed like we're, we're really capable of getting to the edge with our running backs. But when you talking about just, you know, doing an ISO or a, a regular old gap scheme, uh, and stuff like that. It's very, very hard for us to do it. Uh, now when we're pulling guards and tackles and we're doing, you know, some, some GT stuff, it, it allows the flow of the defense to create some holes. But a lot of times we just need to say, Hey, we're bigger, better than you. Let's push you off the ball and, and create space. When you think about Jamichael Hasty, the announcers talked about all yesterday saying that, you know, we were losing a big star running back um, for the first half. But when you look at his production over the last two weeks versus UTSA and Duke, he had about 20 yards on the ground. So, I mean, we're not losing a, a big figure from a production standpoint. And I think if we want to move on and be a lot better, then we have to be able to create some running lanes. Maybe let's move out the splits, create the, the gaps a little bit more defined for the running backs and get them a little bit more space. But right now, we just cannot secure the line of scrimmage and move it anyway. Even on the defensive side, I know we're talking about, I'm not talking about defense, but even on the defensive lineman side, uh, we're not able to do the same thing. Obviously, Kansas is really not as good as everyone thought they were. I mean, it proved that Rutgers is really not a good football team. They got blew out by Buffalo last week, uh, as well. You know, Kansas has some talented running backs, uh, but when you cannot block up front, um, it really is the testament to, you know, how good your team can be. And, uh, we look over, you know, several different teams and, uh, Baylor is going to have a, a hard time defending the run and stopping the run. Uh, I think we did that better yesterday defensively, but, um, Kansas offensive line isn't really good. So another question on the running game. And I'm in, I mean, I heard Elliot Coffey's perspective on this last night during the fan forum. I'm curious to hear your perspective even more so. I think we have an NFL running back on the roster. The problem is he wants to play wide receiver. And I want to know from a player's perspective, if he came here because we promised him he was going to be a receiver, but he's clearly helping the offense by taking carries out of the backfield, how do the coaching staff need to handle that moving forward? Well, I don't know if he's clearly making the offensive production that much better from a running back perspective. Uh, how many carries he's had as a running back? Three, maybe four. Albeit all four carries, if that, have been, you know, seven, eight, 12 yard gains and really provide some spark because he's a natural back there. The thing is, we got to find him a place. I don't think get trying to force him the ball 10 to 15 times in a pass game is going to help Baylor in the long run. If we want to get him more incorporated in offense, Jalen Hurd, that is, we have to maybe get him 10 to 15 touches a game, but maybe it's seven, you know, and receiving and it's seven on the ground to be able to utilize him in certain packages, get more speed on the field from a wide receiver standpoint, uh, because we got a lot of young guys out there playing at a high level. They're actually catching the ball. 
And I'm really impressed with what Platt has been able to do coming off his surgery last year. We haven't really used Mims, but Thornton and Fleeks have played extremely well the last two weeks. And um, it's kind of one of those things. If Jalen Herod is a true NFL wide receiver, the production hasn't spoke for that the last two weeks. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Did you get to watch the Oklahoma game? Because I didn't. <laughs> no, I didn't. But, you know, um, it's, it's one of those things that I'm not a big fan of Mike Stoops. I think he's head behind a a great uh, offense for his tenure at Oklahoma. I think he was a big reason why Oklahoma did not put bodies on uh, the two running backs at Georgia in the playoff game last year. Running the ball has really hurt OU's defense over the years. You think about teams that have been able to beat them, Devontae Foreman, uh, one of those uh, in, in 2016. So Oklahoma has to do, they have to be able to run. Now, they had the ball, Army had the ball 44 minutes and some change. And he's talking about, you know, taking the life out of a team offensively. I remember when we went to Kansas State uh, my senior year, we came out right out of the, the gun and we went down there and we scored the first, you know, opening drive of, of the game. And then, I mean, we go sit on the bench for like 10 minutes and their fans are really, really, really good. I mean, it's third and two and you thinking our defense is going to get a stop. You're rallying behind them and then you go sit back down because our defense didn't get a stop. And it's so quiet in that stadium. It just sucks the life out of the, the, the game and offenses. At least college ball is so emotional. Everything is about, you know, being able to just run around and play at a high level. And when you don't have that, that, that same level of energy, it just slows down the production of everything. So you, like I said earlier, there are 18, 19, 20 year old kids out there running around playing a game that they love. Now, when you, you think about what Army was able to do to stop them and limit Oklahoma to 21 points in regulation is for a concern. I doubt that'll be the case, uh, especially with what we do sometimes on defense. I think, uh, Lincoln Riley is a genius and, uh, he's going to put some of his playmakers in space to be able to win the game. The big thing for Oklahoma is Rodney Anderson is out for the year. And a lot of people kind of be like, oh, well, Oklahoma is still a really great team. Yes, they are. Uh, but they're going to need to be able to run the ball to to beat some teams like West Virginia and Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, TCU, and teams that have a pretty decent defense that can combat with some of those explosive players they have on offense. So what does Baylor have to do this week if they have any chance of staying in that football game? You know, what what I would say have to do and what they can do is, is totally different. Uh, I would say they have to put pressure on Kyler Murray. I don't think we have the players on defense to do that. I think our defensive backs have played really, really well. I think our first test next week will be against a true quarterback. The first four weeks of the season, Baylor has not played a true quarterback. Uh, and we definitely haven't faced any offensive weapons like we'll see this next Saturday. So we have to put pressure on Kyler Murray. I don't think we'll do that. James Lynch is the best player maybe on the entire field. Definitely he's the best player on defense. Um, and he's only limited to what he's gonna, what he's gonna be able to do. Lincoln Riley may scheme around him, but we have to be able to run the ball or get the running backs in space a little bit more. 
I don't know how, if we've had a rushing touchdown from our running back since week one. Yeah, I don't know that we have either. I think all the touchdowns have been through the air or Charlie Brewer on a quarterback sneak. Here, talk about this. You came on the podcast last year very, very early on in the season after we had lost to Liberty. I remember then you were not quite sold on Coach Rule as uh, something that was going to be able to work in the Big 12. How do you feel today, and what do you need to see from this team this season and moving forward in order to satisfy you with where they're at? You know, I'm conflicted. There's two things that you have to you have to look at. You have to look at if Baylor is okay with being middle of the pack Big 12, 6 and 6 going to bowl game every other year, um which I I think Rule is very capable of doing, or do we want to actually compete for Big 12 championships again? If it's the latter, it's it's very hard to jump on that bandwagon. Uh I know we were depleted. Um with the the whole demise of Baylor, if you will. But I haven't seen enough on tape or with uh, schemes or, or, or athletes or talent that suggests that we'll be able to get there in, in two years. And, you know, to, you know, a lot of people's point, well, I'm not in the locker room. You're not in the locker room. So we don't know what's really going on behind the scenes. I just know that we have a lot of issues that doesn't really involve talent on the team. Uh, it, it revolves around, you know, bad play calling, bad uh, schemes that we get ourselves in, and then a ton of, you know, miscommunication when it comes to being able to position ourselves and, and, and play at a high level as far as the assignments. Uh, and then, st- penalties you know all that stuff is discipline from top down and if we can't get that you know taken care of i mean we got lucky that we didn't have a turnover on punt return i think we've muffed a a kickoff every game this year you know put someone back there that can catch the ball and take care of the ball um so um you know a lot of those small details you know, those are the details that Army really never has to worry about because they're very, very sure that they're going to have one false start a game and that's it. But they're not going to have all these, you know, late hits, personal fouls, false starts holding because that really does kill a drive. And, and luckily we're playing Kansas, but you have a team that can capitalize off of, you know, drive kills and stuff like that. Uh, then we really find ourselves behind the eight ball. Um, I think Rule gets uh, another year. I think and I hope that um, we can get to six games this year. I think Kansas was the last team we beat on paper. Now we got to go steal three games. Right. Uh, maybe we can steal a game against Kansas State and Iowa State, but uh, it's going to be very, very difficult for us to do so. I would love to see Baylor to get to six wins because that changes the the scope of recruiting as well as the confidence coming back for a lot of these guys. You talk about scheme and running the football and needing to run the football, what made, and I know this probably has a way long answer that we don't just have a ton of time to get into, but what were some things that the Bryle system did that created those big holes that Rule and his staff could adapt to their scheme now? I mean, I think it's just point of contact. I mean, when you're talking about moving line of scrimmages and stuff like that, it's and the game is won in the trenches. You know, a lot of us like to say that, you know, oh, we got skilled players. Alabama skilled players and quarterbacks are not 
much better or any better than the, the talent we have on our team. However, those guys up front are much better. Yeah. And that's how you win football games at a high level. Um, so we had some really good offensive linemen. You know, Coach Clem put out a lot of those guys in the NFL. It, it gave them a chance to play on the NFL uh, roster. And I, I just think that from the point of contact, being able to scheme it very, very simple. I don't know the play calls there at Baylor now. I'm sure it's very long and lengthy in, in this jargon just because I know they want to do a NFL-style system, pro-style system. But, I mean, we ran five zone. It's just basic zone blocking. I mean, you, you're heavy hand on the, 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 the shade. Someone's climbing to the linebacker and we were able to be very, very disciplined in that. And we ran the ball at, you know, such a, you know, we ran our team and offense at such a high proficiency. It really allowed the running backs to create a lot more space because we knew exactly what the offensive linemen were doing. Um, I don't think we really have had any big runs or any success through the A gap this year. I know sometimes we went, you know, a jumbo package to try to, you know, enforce our will on a third and two or fourth and short. And it hasn't been of success outside of Jalen Hurd's few runs. Last question. I know you said you hope we can get to six this season, but we'd have to steal a couple. What do you expect to happen this season? <laughs> we got to go out there and play. I love Nick Florence. He's a great guy. He's a leader. He's a captain. Uh, but to be honest, you don't build teams on, or you don't build a tradition, or you don't build a program, you don't build teams on beating Kansas. I mean, I, it, it's great locker room talk, probably for Charlie Brewer, a guy who only knows rule, but for a guy like Jermichael Hasty or uh, a guy like Tecklenburg, who's been there and won games and been rated ranked high before the the whole Texas debacle in 2006. Uh, you build tradition in games. Nick Florence year, if we just go back to that year, by beating number one Kansas at home. That's really how you build a tradition and a program and, and you change the direction of a um, uh, um, of a year or, or, or whatever. But also that year... What Nick fails to realize is that Shock Linwood, Lake Sheestrunk, Glasgow Martin, they all came on. I don't know if Shock was here that year, as a matter of fact, but all those guys came on and they played a great, great year running the ball. I mean, I think Lake Sheestrunk probably played seven full games that year and he clipped over a thousand yards. So we were running the ball and we were pounding the ball. We went out to San Diego and beat up on UCLA in their backyard uh, because we were able to run the ball. So um, as far as building the program and where we go from here, I don't want to end the season three and nine. I just don't think that puts us any further ahead than we were last year at one and 11. I really want us to get to seven, maybe eight wins. We ha- the, the thing is, Scotty, is that we have the talent in place to go win seven and eight games. Now, whether we do that or not because of, you know, guys don't show up or uh, we were not in the right place schematically, it's a totally different question. Um, I thought after we beat ACU and, and, and UTSA, I'm thinking like, yeah, this is a seven, eight win team, uh, especially how the Big 12 is starting to shape up. You don't know. It's, it's anyone's league outside of West Virginia and Oklahoma. Um 
but we have to learn how to play just basic ball, tackling and making great angles uh, from the safety position and not giving up big runs week in and week out. I mean, you got to get tired of seeing that. And we saw a lot of it last year with Davion Hall. You know, are we just not teaching proper angles? You know, I get that we want to be big and want to be swole, but at the end of the day, you got to put a hat on somebody, and we haven't been able to do that. Um, and then we just got to make routine catches. And these young freshmen are making big, big catches, but there's a lot of times where some of these veteran guys, they are over the middle, and they're just dropping balls. And it doesn't make either quarterback look horrible or great. Uh, it just doesn't give us a great um, – you know, starting point of like, how we do, how are we going to continue to be successful on drives? What do you think we need to do this weekend? Be competitive. I was really disappointed with the Duke game, not because we lost, but because we looked like we weren't competing. And so I, I think, I do not expect us to beat Oklahoma by any means, but I think if we can go out and put on a good showing and, and look like we're playing football, I'll be content with that. And I, that would make me feel good going into Kansas State because I think that's an upset we can go get. Yeah, and we very well may be a favorite against Kansas State. Uh, the thing is with Oklahoma, man, um, I think Oklahoma scores 50 on us and, and they give up 14 points. So I don't I don't know how good of a showing that is for Baylor. But uh, I think um, – Oklahoma has some very good offensive weapons and CeeDee Lamb and and Brown uh, and then obviously Colin Murray. What we can do is we can slow down their running game because uh, much like other teams in the Big 12, they haven't effectively ran the ball well. Uh, and without Rodney Anderson, that really does take a lot of their consistency on the ground uh, away from them. Yeah, but I, I saw how – Quentin Harris at Duke caused problems for our defense, and Kyler Murray is ten times the dual threat that he is. So, you know, yeah, like I said, I think we're gonna—they're gonna score fifty points on us. <laughs> and, and the crazy thing is, everybody thinking, "Oh, Oklahoma really not that good." It's Army. You see that offense once a year or once every five years. I mean, that offense—they probably scoring on the Cowboys. Just because it's so much misdirection, and if you don't read your keys or you don't have like some really big bodies up front that control the line of scrimmage, then what happens is, you know, you're there. You you're essentially creating the run lanes, and you're creating all the reads that they have. I mean, that's the thing about that that option and that that read is that they go where you're not. Right. <laughs> I yeah. mean, they're, they're they're not gonna give a ball where you're tackling the guy. As right. soon as you tackle that guy, you've committed. So they going to pull it. So if the next guy is not reading his key, he's going to run. And if, if you hit the quarterback, he's going to pitch it. If you go to the running back, he's going to turn it up. And I mean, it's just dang, if you do dang, you don't, unless you have a guy that can, you know, some offensive line that can control the line of scrimmage. And then you push all that back. Then it's harder to make those reads because they're not as clean. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think Oklahoma is the real deal this year. I don't know if they're better than last year. I think Colin Murray is better than Baker Mayfield. I do too. Oh, uh, which is probably, uh, you know, something that a lot of people don't want to hear. But Colin Murray is, is dang good at football. Well, and he's a better college quarterback than Baker Mayfield because he's a much, much better athlete and a runner than Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Ba- Baker just has that. 
he just has that that charisma about him. He's like he got that Tim Tebow factor. Yep. Yep. Well, you just like I just want to be on the sideline with this guy. Like, okay, whatever he says in the fourth quarter, we just got to do it, and I mean it'll happen. He's gonna throw it up, and he's gonna give you a chance to make a play and go make a play. And um, I, I think uh, that's what made Baker so so special. But uh, I don't think Kyler Murray is anything like that. I think they have polar opposite per- personalities. But Kyler Murray, he can throw the ball really really well. He's quick. He's super athletic, and uh, and he doesn't make many mistakes. And then Lincoln Riley is maybe the the best offensive mind in the country. One of the best offensive minds in the country. Baylor's 26-7 victory over Kansas on Saturday has everyone in a much better mood this week. And everyone is just ready for OU. And why should Baylor feel anything less than great? They already have tripled their win total from 2017. They've literally grown 300% in a month. But their win over Kansas may only be a temporary high as Baylor looks to scratch and claw their way into a bowl game. Take your perception of the Bears right now and feed in some logical, factual observations. We just destroyed Kansas. The Jayhawk wins are over Central Michigan, who only has one win, a 17-5 victory over Maine, and Rutgers. And Rutgers' one win was against Texas State, and the Scarlet Knights just lost 42-13 over Buffalo last week. But this could be a sleeper or a trap game for Oklahoma as the Sooners might be looking forward to Texas in the Cotton Bowl the following week. But Lincoln Riley's team just let Army nearly beat them in overtime in Norman last weekend. They'll be awake now and they'll be ready. But there's no more Baker Mayfield! The Sooners have Kyler Murray, who already has 1,028 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, and 2 interceptions on the year. He's also added 240 rushing yards and 3 touchdowns. Baylor is still trying to find a true quarterback, and there's much indecision that will forever be impossible to prove if it's holding the team back at all. Baylor's best running back is a Tennessee transfer who is working to be a true wide receiver but has been forced into immediate tailback duty because both John Lovett and Jermichael Hasty only have 82 and 80 rushing yards respectively in the past three games combined. Matt Rule and Baylor are not scared to face Oklahoma. Baylor has the coaches, the talent, and the charisma to win these tougher, bigger games, but they will have to prove that they are mentally talented as well. That means no penalties, no turnovers, no busted coverages, and the ability to finish blocks late in the game. Most importantly, Baylor needs to have trust. Specifically, the coaches have to trust that they can lean on one player or multiple players that can lead the team for the remainder of the season. In Norman, the Bears certainly could win, But if they don't, it's imperative that they reset the tone for the rest of the way to be a mentally tough, physical, and trusting team. Sick'em Bears. Many thanks to Andrew Miner of Bears Illustrated for that minor minute. Here are my thoughts after watching Baylor on Saturday and looking ahead to this coming weekend as we prepare to travel to Norman and take on the Oklahoma Sooners. I thought we saw exactly what we expected to see on Saturday against Kansas. It was exactly what we expected to see. Baylor was clearly the more talented team. I was impressed with the game plan from the coaches. They did exactly what they needed to do, and that was stop Puka Williams, and we stacked the box and made them throw the ball, and they were not successful at throwing the ball. And it was limiting turnovers against a defense that had forced 12 the prior two weeks. And we did that very well also. 
That being said, I was disappointed that we weren't able to score more in the second half. It looked like we came out flat and uninspired, and I know we had a pretty solid lead at that point, but the game was far from over. And I think Matt Rule said that this week in his press conferences as well, that as good as the game was, it was disappointing that we weren't able to put together a more complete game and play better, especially on offense, in the second half. Charlie Brewer took a lot of unnecessary hits. He got hit a lot back there. That offensive line really struggled in the second half especially after the loss of Xavier Newman. And that leads me to the other talking point that I have for today, and that's this. Baylor has to figure out how to run the ball, and most of that onus has been placed on the offensive line. You heard Terrence Ganaway just now talk about the offensive line's poor play and how it really hampers the running game. But I am of the opinion that Jalen Hurd is capable of rushing for five or six yards of carry with this offensive line. Jermichael Hasty, John Lovett, Tristan Ebner, the problem with all of those guys is that none of them are true power backs. They're all kind of the same back. They have different strengths and weaknesses, but they are all the speed back, the quick back, the one cut back. That's what all of those guys are. Jalen Hurd, on the other hand, is a true all-around running back with plenty of speed, but with his primary strength being his power. His ability to drive through runs, to pick up hard yardage, to make quick cuts in the hole, to find the tight spaces to run through. And he's exhibited that on the very few carries that he has. In fact, so far this season, he has five carries for 31 yards. That's a 6.2 average. And his last carry against Kansas was a pretty big loss because they knew what was coming. And so if you take that carry away, he's got four carries and probably averaging 9, 10 yards a carry. I mean, the guy is a beast. We saw what he did at Tennessee. And I know Jalen Hurd came here as a receiver, but he is a great running back. Well, I was curious to see how Baylor would handle this moving forward, and so I did some digging, and I found a source who is very, very close to Jalen Hurd. I may bring him on the podcast later this year if it's appropriate, if we're talking... NFL prospects for Jalen or something, but I found this source that's very close to Jalen Hurd, and we talked for probably 15 minutes, and here are some things that he told me that were really exciting. First of all, he said that Jalen Hurd has had a tendency in his career to come alive in big games, and if you look over his stats at Tennessee, that certainly appears to be true. His freshman season, his two biggest games were against Oklahoma, where he rushed for 6.9 yards a carry, and Iowa in their bowl game, where he rushed for 7.6 yards per carry. Fast forward to his sophomore year, and he averaged 5.1 yards a carry against Alabama that season, which was undoubtedly the biggest game of Tennessee's year that season. And so as I talk to this source, he believes Jalen will go off this Saturday against Oklahoma because of the bright lights and the big game. And frankly, Jalen believes he's going to go off this Saturday. He believes he's going to have a huge game, a career game in Norman on Saturday. And furthermore, I asked this source if Jalen Hurd was willing to play running back because we all know that he came to Baylor because he wants to play wide receiver. He wants to have a longer NFL career and he believes he can do that at the wide receiver position. And what this source told me is that 
Jalen will do whatever it takes to win a game. And if that means playing running back and carrying the ball, he's happy to do it. Now, we heard Matt Rule say this earlier this week, but it is good to get confirmation from Jalen himself that he is willing and ready to play some running back. He still believes he's an NFL wide receiver, but I think he knows he's the best ball carrier on this team. And if it gives us a chance to beat Oklahoma and Norman, he will not hesitate to tote the rock. That's exciting to hear. And so it's going to be really interesting looking ahead to see how Matt Rule and Jeff Nixon choose to put Jalen Hurd's talents on display. Personally, I think it'd be fantastic to get him about 10 carries and five receptions a game. You heard Ganaway say he'd rather see more of an even split, like a seven and seven. But either way, running the ball with Jalen Hurd is going to be important because he is the one running back on this roster who can get yards despite the woes at offensive line. Now, on the phone here, I've got Barry Trammell. He's a columnist for the Oklahoman, probably the best college football writer in Oklahoma, along with Jake Trotter of ESPN. And so Barry joins me now to discuss what we can expect from Baylor and Oklahoma this coming Saturday. How about we start with this, if you don't mind. Tell me how people in Norman are reacting to a overtime victory against Army. Well, it's sort of a dueling, I would say it's dueling emotions. One is, you know, the worry the concern that hey we couldn't put away army we couldn't uh we couldn't uh, beat the cadets who probably don't have a player who would have been recruited by OU right <laughs> so um on top of that though was a lot of appreciation for just what army's all about and apart from the patriotism stuff the just the football precision they are an incredibly tough team to play against you don't do exactly what you're supposed to. They can do what they did. Now, OU actually on defense, it's not like they were out of position. They just they couldn't they couldn't turn those four yard runs into two yard runs. That was the difference. Army just scissored them up very slowly. So, I, probably the probably the one common trait is just relief. Just glad to win and get it behind you. So because that game could have gone the other way when Army got the ball back, twelve minutes left. One yard line staged a goal line stand, 21-21. Hmm. Then made a first down. I think the prevailing thought was, oh, he's not getting the ball back. They're marching down and and uh, burn off all the clock and kick a game-winning field goal. I think that's what the majority of people thought, and I certainly thought that was the likely scenario. Tell me, uh, after we've gotten through non-conference play now, what are people's expectations for this team? Is it run through the Big 12 and make the playoff? Is it just a Big 12 title? What do you think people are expecting out of this Oklahoma team as we enter into conference play this week? Well, at Oklahoma, the playoff is always the expectation, especially when they're undefeated. Now, if they lose, you know, people will adjust. But the playoff is the expectation. And frankly, the longer the season goes, even beyond that um the the playoff is certainly uh justifiable in terms of expectations i don't know if this team's good enough to win a national title but they're good enough to to win the big 12 and and be in position to make the playoffs so it's uh you know high expectations always at oklahoma 
certainly that's the case this year. And this team is good enough to do that. I mean, I don't think it'd be crazy to, to say this team uh, could make the college football playoff. For Baylor fans who may not know the team very well, I think Baylor fans are very aware of Kyler Murray, and I think Baylor fans are aware that Rodney Anderson is out with an injury. Outside of that, what are two or three things about this football team, whether it's players or what they've been able to do so far this year, that Baylor fans need to know going into this Saturday? Well, here's what probably the number one thing is this team has sort of come up with a one-two punch at wide receiver that's world-class. It's among the best in school history, and, you know, for the last 20 years, OU's had some great one-two right. one two combos. They had Sterling Shepard and D.D. Westbrook one year. They had um, they had Brian, uh, Ryan Broyles and Kenny Stills one year. They had... Mark Clayton and uh, Brandon Jones or Mark Bradley, whoever you want to throw in there, but they both make the NFL. So this is a program of custom, much like Baylor, you know, for the last eight, ten years, that has really produced big-time wide receivers. But these two guys are right there with anybody. C.D. Lambs, a true sophomore, who's just spectacular with his ability to make catches. Big, tall guy who can really go up and, and do all kinds of things. His one-handed catch. He landed a fraction out of bounds, but his one-handed catch against UCLA was the stuff of Odell Beckham. So he's really something. Uh, Marquise Brown is the other guy. He's the little guy. He showed up here uh, weighing 145 pounds. How small he was. He's up in the 160 range now, but still the fastest guy on the team. And just a home run hitter can can go deep very easily. So it's a remarkable one-two combination, and that's Kyler Murray's go-to guys. When you look ahead to this matchup at Baylor, is there anything, and I'll be honest, for me, I think the answer is no, but for for you, is there anything about this matchup that makes it a trap game? Is there anything that if Oklahoma isn't careful about, they could very easily find themselves behind on Saturday? Oh, yeah. Well, let me say this. They found themselves behind last year deep into the ball game. And no, that's though. true, yeah. And yeah. and Baylor is a lot better, I think. From, I mean, you'd know more than me, but Baylor looks better this year than they did last year. No, you. I mean, I don't know if they're worse or better or what, but whatever they are, they're not much They're not, not much different. So, uh, clearly, the unproven part of this Oklahoma team is the defense. They have not really faced a top-flight passing team Iowa State's very good, but they're playing with their backup quarterback. Is that no one's good? Now, Florida Atlantic clearly can throw it around and do all kinds of things, but they played against the quarterback making his debut. So the things are drawing some good hands so far. And in Charlie Brewer Saturday, they're going to play a guy, and I know Charlie's just a sophomore, true sophomore, but they're going to play a guy that's played a bunch of Big 12 football and has shown that he can throw it around. And all you have to do if you're – you know, if, if you're a Sooner fan, the only thing that's got to scare you is when somebody says, hey, it's, it's, he's from Baker Mayfield's high school, and he'll get everybody back <laughs> immediately. So um, I think that's the, I think that's Baylor's ace in the hole is, hey, maybe that Oklahoma defense is still susceptible to the pass. Uh, maybe we can still bend them. They certainly did last year in Waco. We thought the OU secondary would be better this year. In some ways it has been, but – um, but Iowa State carved them up a little bit. Maybe Baylor can do the same. Tyler Murray has played spectacular. 
but everybody's doing off day. If Kyler Murray, you know, comes back to earth a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe Baylor's in the game in the second half. Purely out of curiosity, and this is a little bit of a fun off-topic question, but have you talked to Kyler Murray? Why did he come back to play football when there's such a lucrative baseball offer on the table? Does he just love the game? Well, two things. One, he's, he's getting his money either way. I mean, maybe there's an insurance policy protecting the A's. I don't know about that. But he signed the contract. So he's getting the money. And he, he worked a deal where he gets to come and chase his dream for one, for one autumn. You know, around here, everybody's saying, well, maybe if he plays spectacular, he'll come back and play again. Well, I don't think so. Scott Boris is baseball super agent for not any uh, silly reason. I mean, he, he cut a deal with the A's and he's going to stick to it, which means Tyler Moon's going to Oakland at the end of this baseball season. But, I think this was the best of both worlds in Kyler's mind. He gets to play base, he gets to play football and chase that college football dream. He clearly loves it. He's clearly good at it. But he also has a baseball career awaiting him and the four point six million dollars. So best of both worlds for Kyler Murray. He was smart enough. He went out and got an agent that could cutting that deal. He got drafted by a team willing to play ball. So in, in a lot of ways, perfect scenario for Kyler Murray. Absolutely. We don't see many of those two-sport guys anymore. You know, Bo Jackson was successful, but, I mean, Michael Jordan tried it and couldn't do it. It's just interesting to me that he's been that successful at both and is now going to make good money uh, doing one of them. Last question. I know we're early in the week today, but what do you see going down on Saturday how do you foresee that game going? How does Oklahoma bounce back after what was a, a, a very dramatic win this past Saturday? Well, the Sooners are going to score. I mean, they scored on Army. The problem against Army was not scoring. It was opportunities to score. They went to the ball right. six or seven times. So, um, you know, they're going to score about half the time they get the ball. And against Baylor and everybody else, they're going to get the ball 12 or 13 times. So they're probably going to be up in the 40s um, against the Bears. Uh, and if it goes, you know, and if it moves off that, there's as good a chance it moves into the 50s as it moves down to the 30s. So Sooners are going to score. The question is, can Baylor score? The answer is, Baylor will score some. Can they score enough to make it a game? Probably not. Um, you never know. But I would, I would pick, I would pick a game somewhere, you know. 40-something to, uh, to maybe 20, 21, something like that. It's probably where we're going to go. Like I said, though, you know, Baylor made it interesting last year. As many of you know, I listen to a lot of Colin Cowherd. I probably listen to four or five of his shows in a week. Colin says this thing a lot on The Herd, and I think it's very applicable for Baylor fans this week. And this is what I want to leave you with on this episode of Please Bear With Me. People get disappointed and people get angry because their expectations were too high. Colin talks about this all the time. If you find yourself overwhelmingly disappointed or angry with an outcome, it's entirely possible that you had far too high of an expectation going into whatever it is that you're disappointed in. So Baylor fans, I want you to know as we go into this game on Saturday... Do not expect Baylor to win, and do not expect Baylor to keep it close. Now, 
I'm a Baylor fan. I'm rooting for Baylor to win. I want Baylor to keep it close. You heard me tell Terrence Ganaway, I want Baylor just to look competitive and competent against Oklahoma. However, temper your expectations a little bit. I know Army just did some things against Oklahoma that were impressive. We cannot replicate that, and you heard Matt Rule say that this week. Let's have some reasonable expectations. If Baylor can go in and lose by 10 or 14, even 20, as opposed to 25, 30, 40, that's a win. There are no moral victories in college football. I am not suggesting that we should be content with losing, and some of you will probably accuse me of that anyhow. But my point is simply this. We need to ride or die with this team over the next several weeks if we have any hope of making it to a bowl game. And we're going to have to get some upsets along the way if we have any hope of making a bowl game. But there are two games that we cannot assume we have the capability to win, and that is Oklahoma in Norman and West Virginia in Morgantown. If you are expecting one of those to be our bowl game launching, campaign launching upset, I'm sorry, you're delusional. And so again, I'm not saying it can't happen. Anything can happen. That's what makes college football so great. And I believe Baylor can win this game. I do not believe Baylor will win this game. And I encourage you to have some reasonable expectations as we go in as well. Let's expect for Baylor to play well, to show up, and to be competitive. I believe they'll do that. And that will be good enough to make me feel confident that we can go into the next week against Kansas State at McLean Stadium and grab a victory. Watch the game with some excitement and some confidence, but have reasonable expectations. I don't want you to be upset, and I don't want to see angry Baylor Twitter on Saturday because we lose. Let's all be reasonable about this, and let's be confident that our boys are going to compete. I expect Oklahoma to score 50, and I expect us to maybe get to 35. And I think that would be okay. And I'd be content with that. And I'd be confident headed into a game against the Kansas State Wildcats in our own building. I want to say thank you to Barry Trammell for coming on and helping me preview Oklahoma. I want to say thank you to the great Terrence Ganaway, all-time Baylor Bear, for coming on and helping me break down the game against Kansas and look ahead to the coming season. Terrence might be on again this season. He's great. If you haven't seen his breakdowns on Bears Illustrated, he does these breakdowns where he literally watches the film and shows you what he's seeing in plays that Baylor both does really well and does really poorly. It's a great little segment on Bears Illustrated. Go check it out if you haven't already. Thank you, Terrence Ganaway, for coming on. My name is Scotty Swingler, and in the words of Bryce Petty, I leave you with this. We are... Ready for OU. Thanks, and sick'em Bears. Please Bear With Me is brought to you by Bears Illustrated over at Baylor 247. Thanks to my man Tim Watkins over there. Thanks to Iron Kids for all the music you heard on today's podcast. Go check them out, Iron Kids, on SoundCloud. I've been Scotty Swingler, and this is Please Bear With Me. Bryce, what are some of the positives that you take out of this game? We gotta win. Ready for OU?